0: What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Austin, Waco, Temple, Khalid, people up in the shy city, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, you're tuned in here to the Tuesday edition of the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing. Bartlett with a spin in the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. 1-800-707-9760 is your number to participate. Again, if you know what you want to talk about Like always, it is open phone lines Feel free to give us a call Anything that we are discussing on the docket today That you want to weigh in and give your opinion on Feel free to do that Anything that we discussed yesterday You didn't have an opportunity to call You can parlay that over to today We just ask you to be patient during the long segments And the long breaks And we'll get to the phone calls accordingly Also, keep in mind If you need to reach out to me via Twitter uh, Don't forget you can do that At Sports Grind And also, if you want to stream the show Live and leave comments I'll respond to those in real time if I miss them Then I'll try to respond to them later But you can go to the business Facebook page Of Sports Grind Entertainment Or you can go to my personal page as well And you can stream the show live And if you ever miss any of the shows or episodes live You can always go to sportsgrindonline.com Where you can download the podcast daily 1-800-707-9760 What's up Mr. Clark? Ready rock and roll Alright, Bartlett
1: I believe that we will win.
0: Yes, Bartlett. Yes, and I do, too, as we're at halftime. Should be getting ready to kick up second half as we speak. Uh, spoiler alert. U.S. national team has a 1-0 lead um, over Iran. Um, this is a must. You should know by now this is a must-win game to move on. I really felt like they should have won the first one. They should have really their first match. They really, especially as good as they played against England, they should they could get in with a tie or a win a day. But they're up 1-0. Pulisic gets a goal. Um, So going to be interested to see if they can hold on, you know, because Iran, all they really need to do uh, was play for a tie. So pretty much if you know the game of soccer and you've been in kind of these round robin tournaments and point scoring that, you know, normally a team in that situation is going to come out really on the defensive end and and really not on the attack. So I knew the Americans had an opportunity early in the first half to uh, get a lot of opportunities on goal because, again, you know, playing the game for as long as I did, I know strategically wise how situations happen like that. Or cer but regardless of what level you're on, in regards to when you know you just need a tie to get in it's a little bit different uh when you come to soccer but they're underway so we'll see what the next 45 minutes uh with hell if they can stay on and move to the round of 16 and this match didn't come with the it came with a lot of controversy i mean political of course you know there's always political statements in world cups for the most part i mean you have the whole world coming together so people are going to uh you know take those stands and use their platforms to do different things so iran you know uh, there's a lot going on in their country we've always been tension between them but again has revolves around we touched on a little bit yesterday about their women's rights and stuff like that and they were upset with the national team uh, but you know i would have to say yesterday um, actually seeing the news and the clip i'd have to give a lot of credit um, you know, to Tyler Adams, which is the team, the national team's captain, who was bombarded uh by questions during their press conference from an Iran reporter, killed him for pronouncing the name. Well, first of all, just get the country name right. Like, all right, man. Um, and then was really trying to press him to think, well, you know, your national team, which speaking of the head coach, Tyler Adams, the rest of these guys had no idea what the website and what the national team's website, what they were planning to do to show a sign of support and protest with the Iranian women. So, but they these are young guys. It's one of the youngest national teams we've ever taken to the World Cup. But the captain, I thought, really handled himself well with being able to answer those questions. Because you have a reporter just said, well, how do you feel like living in a country and you're playing for USA to support Black Lives Matter? Pretty much it doesn't like black people. And, you know, Tyler Adams, which hasn't been old enough to experience the whole bunch of life, but he was smart enough and got to give him credit to keeping his cool and I love his response to the reporter. Didn't take the bait because it could have turned in and I think that reporter you know, he was asking for a certain, re- thought he was going to get a certain reaction out of him, but didn't. Uh, but yeah, but if you haven't heard him, you need to go check that out. I, I like the way he handled himself, so definitely it's obvious you can see why he's voted team captain on this national team. Um, also, some other World Cup news, you know, Senegal, they basically advance. Them and Denmark are going Going out of their group, they were being able to get victorious, so they're going to the round of sixteen as well. Also, um, also Qatar, you know, Qatar comes the first nation to host the World Cup and not win a game, which it was expected that they weren't going to get out of the round, but they become the first team in World Cup history to host a game and not even win a game and I've told you how I feel the World Cup shouldn't even be over there in the first place we shouldn't even be playing this in November we should have had it this past summer a lot of controversy you know a lot you know Jeremy shop you know I've, you know I was a big fan of his father when he was living you know Jeremy uh, you know he is what he is you know I guess he put up I I, hear he more credit points from me having to put up with Bobby Knight's ass uh fifteen, ten, twenty years ago sitting down with him. You know you're nothing like your father, Jeremy. I'm like, man, Bobby. But Jeremy Shapp did a good thirty I mean it was a, it was a, he did it years ago when they were announced the you know, the World Cup in two thousand and ten. And they did a special kind of like a 30, not a 30 for 30, but like outside the lines, outside the lines reporting. And, you know, he had an update, which I thought was very interesting. I got a chance to watch it over the Thanksgiving holidays. And it really got into really what this country had to go through just to host this thing. You're talking about taking 10 years to get ready to host this. Uh, But now. The big question is how many, how many migrants, how many people have died basically billing these stadiums, billing, well, today the report, because some of these people are looking at restitution and they're looking at, you know, basically suing, you know, which now they're saying only four to 500 migrant workers were killed, which I think is way low than the actual number. We're talking about a span over a decade, just getting ready to host the cup. So can't have a World Cup without controversy, but we knew once this was awarded to Qatar, The first uh, World Cup to be hosted in the Middle Eastern uh, continent of the world, we knew it was controversy from the get-go. But for the football, played on the pitch so far has been pretty much entertaining. It's been pretty much entertaining so far. Can't wait to get to the knockout stage uh, rounds to see some of these other countries get tested. This is when you start separating the men from the boys when you get into the round of 16 and going forward. So you've got World Cup action going on. Also, uh, we've got uh, NBA continues to roll on as well, too. Your Spurs are off again. It's a light schedule tonight on the NBA. There's like only four games on the docket. Your Spurs have been out for a few days. Um, They're on an eight-game losing streak. I believe they've lost 14 out of 15 games or 13 out of 14. It's one of those. Um you know, when they first started the season early on the first week, it didn't look like we were going to go through this spell, but this is kind of what was expected, uh, you know, from them um, in regards to the roster. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this and how the fan base handles Because you can know one thing, you can know going into this, like, hey, man, this is, you know, we're projected only when this game so We're only supposed to do this. But when you actually go through it, and you actually talk about eight game losing streaks turning to 14 out of 15. Next thing you know, you're turning maybe talking about 20 out of 20, uh, 23 out of 24 games lost. That's what I'm interested to see how this coaching staff, these young players, and this fan base deals with that and copes with that. You've got other NBA uh, things going on as well. The Lakers have an epic collapse last night in the Staples Center, where well, they don't call it the Staples, it's Crypto Center. I'm sorry. Um, It's always going to be the staple center to me. But they have an epic fail against the Pacers last night. Up 17 points with, like, maybe six minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. You know, Russell Westbrook had a good game. He's got it going. He's hitting shots. He's dishing. He's borderline crip walking on the court celebrating and everything. Yeah, talk about me now. Indiana young team coached by Rick Carlisle got hot started making shots and making stops, and they really pretty much ended the game on a call. They lost one. And the thing, too, about Indiana, which last night was the first time I've actually watched them. I've seen them here in bits, but really watch a pretty much entire game with them. And, I, you know, Rick Carlisle was in Dallas a while, and, you know, I kind of, you know, remember their style in regards to, you know, the Dirk era. He was there for the first year or two with, uh, you know, Luca. But the way he has the Pacers, and this just goes back to, you know, I hardly ever agree with most of the stuff that Charles Barkley says, but, you know, it goes back to where he always hits his home and he's dead right. You know, even though they won last night, but, you know, Pacers shoot a lot of threes this year. They're shooting a lot of threes, and they they have a tendency to have that part of their game to where they're going down and looking for threes. Um, There's a lot of teams that try to play like Golden State. But they've yet to be successful, and really you don't have the shooting they do to play with that. Kind of surprised with Rick Carlisle because I don't remember them really playing like that um, when he was, you know, the Mavericks when he was head coach. But, you know, Lakers have a collapse. That's the story. Indiana Pacers get a road win. So you have that going on. Anthony Towns, A.K. Big Cat, scare from Minnesota. He went down. Um, they're starting to think that maybe they dodged a serious serious injury uh, but from the looks of it it looks like it's you know he should be out sometime you know I haven't heard any MRI updates of what went on with him but that was a scary situation last night also um, college football. We're going to see what the committee tonight does. You know, this will be the last one before we play the conference championship games, which I just want to take a quick glance. We'll break down these more on Friday, a few of them, Uh, but just want to take the schedule to let you know exactly who's competing in these conference championship games this weekend. Uh, We know about the... uh, triangle of toughness the UTSA roadrunners they'll be getting ready to uh, host another conference championship game this Friday in the Dome we've got North Texas Mean Green coming in uh, but we'll look at some other ones but the committee and the question I have is what are they going to do with Ohio State what are they going to do with them um, they were number two in the country and they got they just didn't lose they got beat down in the shoe How far do they drop them? Do they drop them to five? Do they drop them to six? Also, what happens if TCU and Cal, USC, what happens if they both lose this weekend or one of the two? Who does that open the door for? But I'm really interested to see what Ohio State does because if this was Michigan, I keep saying what I said since last Tuesday before we took the break that they, if it was Michigan, it'd really be nothing. It'd be like, hey, drop them down to seven, it's okay. But due to the fact it's Ohio State and that brand, it makes it very interesting, you know? For the most part, they've looked like a good football playoff team, Um, you know? They definitely would be favored over TCU, you know, on a neutral field. But I'm really eager tonight to say because I told you this year and it changes every year. But I think this year is the one year that the committee like everybody's resume is almost the same, like strength of schedule, everything. You really don't have anybody that can just blow out anybody with their strength of schedule. You really don't. So really, when it comes down, if you get some of these teams that might lose this weekend that's playing conference champion games, and you you match them up against a team that didn't play in a conference championship game, but they got one loss or they got two losses, what do you do? You know, because at the end of the day, it is about finding the best four teams to participate in this college playoff. One eight hundred seven zero seven nine seven sixty.
1: If the AP rankings are of any uh, kind of leaning to what you could expect tonight. Uh, they did drop Ohio State only to five. They moved USC into the top, five, uh, top four. So it currently reads Georgia number one, Michigan number two, TCU number three, USC number four. Of course, Ohio State there at five. And then lurking on the outside, Alabama at six. So when you talk about what happens if TCU loses, what if USC loses uh, this weekend in their championship games, you could see Ohio State and Alabama, they're right there ready to take a spot.
0: Well, the AP, you know, not to kill those guys, but the truth of the matter is the first few years of the college playoffs when we had this, AP was so far off on those on their rankings to what the committee was going to do. And now in the last couple of years, the AP try once they have the first playoff ranking first, you know, when we get into the, right after Halloween or right around Halloween when we give the first playoff ranking release, after that, in my opinion, the AP tries to emulate and they try to guess what? the committee is going to do. So I don't know You know, in regards to how accurate that's going to be, I mean, I'm assuming it can't be that far off, but I just wanted to tell people proceed with caution with the AP, man, because the AP was way off when we first went to this 14 playoff. I mean, they've been doing AP rankings forever. You know, the preseason rankings are probably does need to go away, especially if we're going to 12, because you really don't know who's what, especially with the transfer portals and everything else going on. So I would proceed with caution, but we'll see what tonight, what they do in regards to with Ohio State. And whether they leave them lurking Alabama, I still see Alabama would need Some really carnage uh, To really take uh, you know A two loss team from them That's not going to play in the conference championship game um, Into the final four But we'll see what happens Other college note before we move on from there The Hugh Freeze, we touched on it a little bit yesterday um, I, The more that this The more that this sets with me The more, when I look at the landscape Of college football And we've talked about this topic for years on this show um, in regards to the lack of African-American coaches that are in Division One college. And then on top of that, just the lack of how many African-American coaches get second opportunities. This Hugh Freeze hiring at, at, at Auburn is really starting to make my butt itch. It really bothers me. And, and it really bothers me because the fact of why Hugh Freeze had to go end up coaching at Liberty in the first place. Because of the scandal, because of what happened with Ole Miss. And not only that, if I'm not mistaken, I I mean, this is the guy that basically I think at Ole Miss, amongst the recruiting scandal situation, this is the same guy that basically that from school phones or university property, phones, cell phones, was making calls to escort services, there was a lot going on with Hugh, but my point is like you like you was at liberty for what? Maybe three years, four years, somewhere around there, maybe four or five max. And I'm not saying that anybody doesn't four. so I knew it was something like that. I'm not saying that people don't deserve second chances, but when you look. And I'll keep going back to this like Ty Willingham, man, when he became the first African-American coach to coach at Notre Dame. And had some success with them. Didn't win a BCS. Back then it was a BCS title, not a national Final Four, but didn't sniff that close. But he had some good years and some good runs with Notre Dame. You know, prior to that, he was coaching for the Huskies, Washington. Then he got the Notre Dame job. The truth of the matter is when he got fired, because there is academic challenges at Notre Dame, not saying you can't win, but it's not the same recruiting everywhere else and on the even playing field for the most part. He had to go coach girls softball. Didn't even get a second opportunity in college. Division one. Like Hughford, like that Auburn job. First of all, you're talking about the SEC. You're talking about a program that plays in the best conference in the land, as we know it right now, before we construct any new conferences or mergers or whatever. I got a problem with that, man. And no one really says anything about it. I mean, that's like, there's other people, okay, that would probably be qualified. And it just shows you with his transition, the transitions that he's gotten with Ole Miss. The fact that he his next big job, power five, is at Auburn. There's a, I got a problem with Hugh Freeze on that one. You know, not his fault. He took it. But that just shows you in regards to the system. Listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, Bartlett, in the one and twos. We'll be back. The biggest savings of the season are at specs. The fun starts here. All right, back here on the sports grind Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark. Let's spin in the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Doseckis. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios, and this next segment is going to be sponsored by Stoli Vodka. All right, keep in mind they have an uncompromising spirit. It's the kind they believe that turns players into icons. It's 100% grain to glass, and Stoli Vodka controls the entire production process, so there's no room for maybe. That is Stoli, Stoli Vodka, official sponsor of the sports grind. 1 800 707 9760. All right, so, yeah, that's my thoughts about who um, freezing that Auburn hire. You know, uh, there's going to be quite a few jobs that's going to open up, you know, but that's just my uh, thoughts on that. And just put it in perspective for you, kind of where I'm getting at. You have arguably the best athlete ever to come through Auburn and Bo Jackson that is still... Glorified to this day of generations of young people that weren't even alive seeing Bo play sports. And this guy has been lobbying for Dion Sanders, who went to a HBCU university and put them on the map and won a recruiting battle for one of the top recruits in the country, the number one recruit in the country. And has a brand himself. And they elected and they would rather go ahead and choose a coach that already has scandal in the same division and the same that created scandal in the same conference that they're hiring to come back to. Put that in perspective. And that's why it bothers me. And so. Again, and it's nothing really personal to Hugh freeze, because, again, you know, but it's, it's just the, it's the system. It just shows you, because like I said, it it ain't just the recruiting scandal, I mean, that Hugh Freeze was involved in. It's a lot of off the, and from the reports that, and I think it's USA Today, some of the reports, per his contract, he's not even allowed to be on Twitter. He's not even allowed to be on Twitter. But the president and the powers of being the state of Alabama that control Auburn would rather go ahead and say, nah, we'll take that guy with a lot of skeletons in his closet. Well, he might put us on probation. That's okay. That's okay. That's that, 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 that just, that's the best way that I can put it to you and we'll kind of leave it at that. You know, that's just, I, I, I cause I'm like, wow, you know, because I, I heard his, his name come out a little bit late. And I knew eventually. I mean, I knew what he was doing the day he went to Liberty. Okay. Why do you think Rick Pitino's coaching Iona basketball? This is a guy that won a national title at Louisville and a national title at Kentucky and thought he was going to get Tim Duncan and went to Boston, but it didn't happen. Why do you think he's coaching at Iona? You know, I didn't even know where the hell, I didn't even know that there was a university called Iona until Rick Pitino showed up in basketball. Why do you think he's there? Because he knows the system. If he hangs on and and he ain't no spring chicken, Rick's old. But if he hangs on, he'll get another shot at one of these power five, big, big five college basketball programs. It's the system, man. That's why they go to these schools. That's why I tell Black Twitter, like, lay off Dion if Dion decides to go, which I don't think he will. But like, even if he takes the Colorado job or he takes anywhere else, don't. I mean, he could have started at the. He could have went to Bowling Green. He could have started at the bottom, but he chose the HBCU to get his criteria, get his going. Okay, that's. I mean that that's just how that's how the game works. Bobby P, Bobby Petrino. I forgot where his ass is at right now, but he 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 crawled under a rock and got his ass back in the game. And Bobby showed up, and there'll probably be a Power 5 school that's going to come and sell their soul and try to get Bobby P back. And this is a guy that showed up with a, a neck brace on after he had an intern back on his bike or something. Ain't like he was about to die at the press conference with a big-ass neck brace, like Bill Murray's neck brace, a like lawyer that he played in, uh, what was that? Wild Things, that lawyer Bill played in that movie. That's how Bobby P, and I'm pretty sure Bobby P will get a Power 5 job here soon. What do you got before we move on from there?
1: Well, Bobby is over at Missouri State University. There you go. Um, got picked up there in 2020. Uh, but looking at, so the argument that you could hear on Twitter today in reaction to the Hughes-Freeze hiring is, is what if Dion didn't want the job? Or what if Dion's the one that said no, even though He's been in this rumor mill. He's allowed lot to talk up. He, looking at his social media, he posted on Instagram uh, this morning. Sorry, he says, parents, young men, coaches, and family members, I'm patiently waiting to catch these dogs in the portal that's smart, tough, fast, and disciplined with character. I ain't hard to find. Hashtag coach prime. And he tagged Jackson State football in it. So is this a commitment, recommitment to staying where he's at? Do you think that he maybe withdrew his name as they were as they were entertaining Hugh Freeze? Is this a factor where maybe he turned it down?
0: They didn't offer him no job at Auburn, man. Stop it. Stop it! If you believe that, then like I said, I got some oceans pro- property for you to, uh, to buy, and in San Antonio, like he, or did, didn't he, or did he or did he did he withdraw no, his man. name before? That, there's a there, there there's a there's a Williams that's intern coach right now that's the same pigmentation that Deion Sanders it that ain't got no scandals and they he he begged and won the job. They played a lot better under him and they ain't offering him. I don't even know if the, all they just said to him like, hey, we're gonna keep you on as a coordinator. I know we want to, I know we want to sugarcoat this and we want to look over it, man. The reality is what it is. A guy that's getting a top-notch pro, and you know why another reason Hugh Freeze get it and they're looking past all his resume and his scandal and his credit report? Oh, because, you know, and they don't even look at it. Oh, because when he was at Ole Miss, he beat Alabama and Nick two years in a row. Yeah, one of them was with a a, a scandal, a, a, a recruiting class that was fraudulent. Dion didn't turn down that job. They never really offered it from him. They never offered that job. Bo Jackson's been trying to get them to get him this job for the last two months, even before they fired the guy out of Boise that came over there, which was just not even a fit. So even if we throw Dion out of the equation, my whole point is there's a lot of other coaches that are minorities that deserve an opportunity. Look at the cat. Uh, his name slips my mind. Look at that cat at BYU, the coach at BYU. Hell of a coach. He's not black. He's a minority, though. Give him a give him a shot. That's our is an upgrade from BYU. Hugh Freeze got a laundry list, man. He left an SEC program on sanctions. In the same conference that he's getting hired back to. All right, switching gears, we'll go to the pros, and we put a cap on week 12 last night. We're blazing through the NFL season. As Monday night saw the Pittsburgh Steelers jump back in the W column as they were able to go get a road win. Well, it felt like a home game for Pittsburgh, but a road win in Lucas Oil Field over the Matt Ryan-led Colts. And last night really shows you, I mean, you know, it was one of those that Pittsburgh, I mean, I figured that they would go ahead and win just off of the coaching staff in general and kind of where their games they kind of step up a little bit. And I just felt the struggles of the Colts offense it was gonna play into their hands. Cause if you look at it, and people always talk about, you know, well, there's money, you know, it's the same argument, you know, like to say, oh, well, Russ Wilson's getting paid two fifty. And look at them. Well, you know, Pittsburgh's got the highest paid defense in the National Football League. And go look at some of their stats leading in Now, Granted, they played two or three games, minimum, I think, without T.J. Watt, the leader on that defense. Mika Fitzpatrick, all they got. Go look at how much money they're making. They're the highest paid defense in the NFL, and they're having a down year compared to Pittsburgh's standards. Now, last night, I figured they'd have enough to win that. But last night's game showed you why Bill Cowher was so heated at that Jeff Saturday hire and you can go look at the last couple minutes or the last minute of that game and in the clock management okay you can be a leader of men you can have nice motivational speaks you could tell stories about hey man one time I had to cuss Peyton Manning out on the sideline told him screw you man we'll run the but they played the clip last night on Monday Night Football that famous clip where Peyton and Jeff Saturdays getting into it hey you want to run the ball man we're gonna run the ball hey Jeff Peyton was an ass, by the way, but that's just Peyton was competitive. You can do all that. But if you haven't been at that seat, not at the high school, I'm sorry, since the high school level. Last night shows why Bill Cowher was so upset that what you saw, first of all, some of this got to be on Matt Ryan too. Matt Ryan's a veteran. I don't care who's coaching him, whether it's a P coach or whatever. Matt Ryan's played enough football at Boston College to the NFL to know that how many timeouts he's gotten. Are we really in a two-minute – have we really had enough reps? Hell, I got pulled and benched. Do we really have enough continuity on a two-minute offense to basically not understand, hey, we need to get a timeout so we can pick up this first down? Now, on second and 17, Matt ran for about as far as he could run. Matt ran out of gas. The first, the first down line was right there. Couldn't run any further. You know I was telling AC last night? Oh, I can't run. Like, what do you think? Mike Vick? Is he Lamar Jackson? Matt Ryan ran, damn, there was second and 17. He ran 15 yards. But the problem is, why did not somebody else putting a timeout? Oh, I know, because they've got a play caller that's never called plays in the NFL, too. Ursay set this organization back. I will be shocked, because there's two things. Ursae, I mean, it's worse than Jerry. Ursay's in the same boat Jerry is, but different. Jerry got the money. He's just frugal and tight. Okay. We'll get to Jerry here in a little bit. Ursay the Colts in the same position the Spurs are in. They're in a small market and they don't have any history of paying coaches and really paying free agency money because Ursain ain't got that kind of money. I don't care about the cap. I'm talking about guaranteed where you got to go to escrow and give coaches and players when you give them guaranteed signing money. That's why they're frugal. So my point is, I don't even see him spending the type of money for a marquee coach. But what coach, if it's not a first timer, is going to go work for him and be in that situation? Knowing that, hey, man, you hired this guy that skipped all this. Last night's last minute of that game showed you that's an inexperienced coach staff that shouldn't even be in that state. And I like Jeff Saturday. I think he's a good dude. The Colts are, like you said, I didn't see this getting this bad for Indy. But look, they become they twice. Twice this season. This is the only team that's done this. Twice in this season, they have done it twice and, and pretty much haven't accumulated. They've ended with zero yards in the first quarter. They've done that twice this year. Doug Peterson bring a bill and something, in Jacksonville. Texans find a receiver, they find their quarterback. They're going to get the number one overall pick. They find a quarterback and a top-notch receiver. Texans surpass them. Well, we know what Tennessee's doing. Tennessee's retooling on the cool in the division they play in. And not only that, that's why Tennessee's 1-4 against teams with winning records. They got a ways to go. But that was really, inexperience really cost them that game last night. An opportunity to at least tie it and go into overtime. Some of that has to be on Matt Ryan because he has to know he's got three timeouts left. That honeymoon is over. And let me tell you, any coaching staff that faces the Colts going forward with Jeff Saturday the rest of the season, they're not trying to lose to them. They're not trying to lose to that coaching staff. That's why I knew Pittsburgh was winning that game. Mike Tomlin wasn't losing to that coaching staff last night. one 800 707 Nine seven sixty, but we'll see where it goes. Pittsburgh gets, and again, I think Troy Aikman last night, and I think you know Joe Buck. They, they they're one of the two the best to ever do it, but I think they went a little bit overboard on Pickett's performance last night. Pickett missed some throws last night. They should have hung forty on Indy last night. Pickett was off last night. Now, granted, if you look at his numbers and you just look at the box, it doesn't look like what are you counting? He had a solid game. Ah, if you look at some, he missed guys that were open. I mean, Pickens was. There's a couple times when Pickens had to kind of slide down because you know Pickett was throwing. I mean, look, he's a rookie, but I think Troy usually spot on and Buck spot on. They went a little bit too much with the love of fest with Pickett last night. I, I think that he didn't. He won the game. He's a rookie starting on the road, but like I said, that was a home game for, for, I mean, Pittsburgh just takes over. Most stadiums they go to, but that was really almost like a home away from home. But at the end of the day, he got a win on the road. But I just felt that Troy then went a little bit overboard with how great he played last night. And if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you got to be concerned with this Najee Harris situation because, you know, the last his rookie year and now he started this year a little banged up. He's got, you know, a situation again going on. Um, I don't know if this is an oblique situation. I don't know what it was last night, but he didn't come back in the game. You have to wonder, is this going to be a guy that you're going to have to worry about Henry prone? You know, the one thing about Alabama running backs, the one thing I will say, some of these guys, you know, Brandon J- Jacobs is trying to test that theory, but some of these guys and Derrick Henry, you can put him in that category too, but some of these backs get ran. They get a lot of usage when they are at Alabama. Now, I don't think that. You know, Najee was really that case, because I can remember that backfield around him, and he kind of had that year exposed. I mean, nobody got ran into the ground in Alabama like Trent Richardson. Colts gave up first round. That point, Colts gave up first round, two rounds for that trade, too, to Cleveland. That's when the mobster was the GM, another one of Ursa's buddies. Man, if you if you just knew Ursa, if you ever had a dream to coach the NFL or run a team, if you just know Ursa, you play in this band, you meet him at karaoke one of the spots, he'll give you a gig. Ain't got no experience. I ain't worried about that. 1-800-707-9760. All right, switching gears. Speaking of the Colts, the team that they got next Saturday, Sunday night, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we didn't get to this yesterday, but Jerry Jones... Uh, well, first of all, he's in the news for a couple reasons. I mean, he's spoken on Odell, which we didn't get into the Odell situation yesterday either. But uh, Jerry Jones, I guess, I don't know, over the Thanksgiving holiday, maybe, I don't know, last Friday or so, there was a article, and I think it was the Washington Post, a guy from the Washington Post that did an article on Jerry in regards to kind of what's similar to what I'm talking about on the college side, in regards to his lack of hiring or empowering African-American coaches, and he basically decided to utilize a picture, an iconic picture, um, back in the 19, what was it, 1956? It was part of the segregation. 1957. So 1957. Five years there you go. ago. Yeah, 57. And I guess, you know, when I'm hearing this picture, because I'm hearing like, oh, Jerry's had a controversial picture found back in 1950, I'm like, man, well, now what? Like, Jerry can't be whatever, don't let it be blackface, Jerry. I don't know. I mean, that that star is bright and carry a lot of weight, most lucrative sports team on this planet, but that's a hard one to recover. So I'm thinking, like, what could this picture be? And then it's a picture of Jerry standing. And at this time, I think, what, Jerry's 14 years old? Was it 13, 14? He was a sophomore in high school, so it's got to be around that age. About that age. And he's standing on the stairs around a bunch of white kids, and they're escorting these... These, these black kids into school for the first time and this was going in his home state in Arkansas that This is the historic yeah.
1: Little Rock Nine
0: Yeah So the question I got from the from the guy who wrote the article I mean is it is, is this fair? I mean is this where we're at right now in regards to like you know first off and you know and I, and I don't want to because I know that you can write for the Washington Post you can you know be part of media and you we're all human we've got you know, teams that we have root and interest in. So I don't want to sit there and say, well, this guy's writing for the Washington Post. He's got to be down with the commanders in this. I don't want to go that far. But I will say that I just wonder because pretty much what you have to go read the article. And if you haven't seen the picture, you have to look at it pretty much what he's accusing Jerry of pretty much being as a racist, because at 14, he's sitting here around these kids that are in this historic event of basically trying to break through segregation at a school And Jerry pretty much was spotted in this group of pictures seeing, like, are you there? Now, Jerry has responded to this already. And then I guess when we get back, I'll let Jonas let you know, just paraphrases what Jerry's response was, this his reasoning. But it just started making me think, like, is this where we're at? Is we fair? I mean, I know on draft night you get guys. I mean, it happened to Bosa. You know what I'm saying? You know, hey, man, he had some n word use n word on social media eight years ago, six years. I mean, we dig back, but we're going to 1957 with Jerry. And let me tell you, this is there's been a stigma out there surrounding this topic around Jerry for a long time. It's not new to me, but I'm just thinking, like, wow, for a guy that's a journalist wanted to take this step to go dig to show you, like, hey, this is what I think. So that's my opinion. I just want to know if it's fair or out of bounds 1-800-707-976 you listen to the sports grind today's show is be presented by dos get a dose we are broadcasting here from the hazel sky online studios we'll be back